23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it! Touchdown! 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 Armand Bins! Copain driving to the bucket, bank shot around the rim. It's good! It's good! It counts! It's good! Kay takes the shotgun snap, short drop, looking, fires down the middle of the field. Caught by Kelsey! He's running away to the 30, the 20, the 10. It's a miracle! A touchdown for the Bearcats! It's up to Evans. He's near the top of the key. Two-point jumper. Bullseye! With four tenths of a second to go. Hello, Bearcat faithful. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are bringing back Viva La Cats. Viva La Cats has been in the dark for over a year now, much of the credit going to COVID for changing so many things in our lives. And between the difficulties of sports cancellation, closed up studios, and more, it really took its toll and distracted us from continuing the podcast. But we found our way through the dark, and we've been sitting here watching this incredible football season the Bearcats have had so far and decided that it was long overdue to bring back this podcast because there's just too much for us to say. Unfortunately, old episodes of Evil the Cats, for those of you who are familiar listeners, are locked away in the online dungeons of SoundCloud uh, for $16. <laughs> so we're starting fresh with episode one. Uh, there is a possibility that we can backdate some of those most popular episodes with our new RSS, but that's still a work in progress. If you aren't already following us, make sure to follow us on Spotify and Twitter and share us with your friends. You can follow us at Viva La Cats Pod on Twitter, and feel free to check out Steve's Bearcats Uniform Tracker account at UC Uniforms, also on Twitter and IG to stay up to date on all things Bearcats unis and more. For those of you who don't know us, we are former co-hosts of Viva La Cats, Barstool Cincinnati Viceroy alum, and Bearcat Athletic alum. Uh, we are both born and raised Cincinnatians, grew up bleeding red and black, so when we tell you that we've seen everything and we've been through everything with this program, we really mean it. Uh, we will be bringing you new episodes each week with all our best Bearcat takes, predictions, and topics. So, with all that said, welcome back to Viva La Cats. It's great to be back, Steve. It's been too long since we've done this. Baby, what is it doing? How we doing? <laughs> oh, God, it's so good to be back on the airwaves, talking some red and black, talking some cats. Hey, yeah. The Cats are like the top five team in the nation. Did you know that, Justin? It's been a while since we've been away, but I figured yeah. we should talk about it. You know, like, work top five team, pretty good time to start up Viva the Cats once again. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, too, to think. So, so we started, remind me where we started. So uh, our first, our maiden voyage was in the 2018 basketball season that um, we don't remember what happened to the end there. The tournament got canceled that year, but... Uh, you can call us the biggest front runners in the world, but hey, we've been we've been fans forever, you know, and like podcasts like only become free every now and then. So, like, yeah, yeah, that... come at me, bro. I'll be at the game on Saturday. Come at me if you really want to call me a front runner. I'll tell you my first Bearcat game that I ever saw in person, football game. I don't remember basketball, but yeah. hey, man, dude, so, there's way too me, many bro. of those to come back on. But yeah, no, it it's wild just being able to. Um being able to cover a top 10 Bearcats team, thinking about where that team came from, like that was a, that was still a big year for us, but uh, to think how quickly things have turned around and the way these conversations we're approaching now are so much different is really crazy. I mean, it, it's, it's been, it's been incredible to try to fathom 
as somebody who had to weather through all of the Tuberville era and even remembering as a kid, like after Brian Kelly left, we had Butch Jones, which is great. And these, you know, these teams were doing well, but like everything was just very slowly starting to kind of pilfer off. And then we had the championship right when, you know, Louisville left and then everything seemed to like kind of fall apart very, very quickly. And then now so quickly things have turned around and, and we're looking at a perennial top 10 team, perennial top 25. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mean, I'm curious what, you know, how you feel about this too, because you've been through all this just the same as I have. Maybe it's been a long ride, but we're here now. I keep calling you baby. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just going to, yeah. I think it's just going to stick. So, um, and like, uh, so for more background, I worked uh, on the video staff for UC from 2014 to 2019. So when I say that I know the program a little bit, like I know the program, well, maybe a little bit more than others. Yeah. Like I, just like a thing where I would never brag about that because it's not really a thing to brag about. But like, you know, it's just like I, I understood what was going on. I knew like the in, ins and outs and stuff. Not I wasn't an insider or anything, but um those lean years, like there are, are probably about like a hundred Bearcat fans, like and like, you know, obviously the equipment managers, players, coaching staff. But that one night, November 2015, where the score at halftime at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, was uh, South Florida 51, Cincinnati three. Yeah. So, if you want to call me a front runner? <laughs> ask me what the final score of that game was, and ask me about the conversation I had on the bench at halftime where one of the equipment managers tried to tell me like, Hey, crazier things have happened in sports. I was like, I just didn't feel like, hearing yeah. That. So, uh, and then there, there's also a great picture of me on the sideline at the Hawaii bowl that year. Many people forget about that game. Cause it was on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And, uh, the season was already bad enough where people just didn't feel like watching. So, uh, I, there's a picture of me on the sideline. Like I was filming highlights on the sideline on the ground like we filmed a single highlight that day like from the opening kickoff wow. they, uh, san diego state kicked our ass yeah uh, and there's a picture of me just looking like with the worst sad look on my face i'm in paradise <laughs> the weather is beautiful i should be loving my life and i am like just i i am hating life at that <laughs> absolutely moment. we'll have to tweet that out it's a great picture yeah. uh, shout out to uh, carl uh, who took that picture of us like it, it picture of me it was great carl long time but, no see Holy moly. Yeah. Is he still um, at Louisville? He only knows me as Jimmy Nipper. Yeah. Now. And yeah, he's at Louisville okay. now. But uh, so, but man, like, it's cool because I think uh, one of our summer episodes of Viva the Cats in like the 2019 summer or 2018 summer, I forget what it was, but uh, we had our buddy Luke on and he was talking about how just demoralized he was about football because he didn't really, because like, there's no chance that uh, like a, a team like UC could ever get into the playoff. I remember him saying yeah. that, you know, cause like, like we, it was just like, it was never really a possibility. And we saw UCF get shut out in right. that fall of 2017. Mm -hmm. Now maybe we can talk about that in our closing yeah. comments. Cause some clown from that team was yeah, talking we always this circle week. Back. But, um, it's just like, man, I think my number one team in my sports fandom hierarchy it's probably uc football yeah because like i was a fan for all those years but 
as when you work for the team, mm-hmm. you can't really show that emotion. Yeah. You you have to bottle it up. You're trying to be professional, you know? Yeah. And uh the UCF kids, they don't do that. <laughs> they they just like they celebrate and stuff. And like every Justin, like I think I've become a crazier fan after that experience because I had to ball it up for so many years, like because the guy from the other team who was also doing his job was usually standing right next to me. Right. Like at Miami game, uh I was up in the old scoreboard yeah. at Nippert where like before the renovation and the new scoreboard there was an old there was a cutout up there where we would film the yeah. end zone shot from so uh like I wanted to celebrate with my buddy who was standing right next to me mm-hmm. like one of my lifelong friends but and we like we were like losing our minds it was a great game for the cats we were playing so well and we really wanted to celebrate but the Miami guys standing like three feet away from us and we just have to like hold our fists down by our waist and just yeah. like and then you know just keep moving because we still had to be filming and right. stuff. So, um, uh, Justin, you can ask any of my friends or my girlfriend about uh, what I was like at the Indiana game. Oh, I can only. But yeah, I put on a show <laughs> that day, dude. Um, I, I I was I I, I yeah. So um, yeah. <laughs> I just say like there's a lot of there's a lot of like buildup for so many people who have been in the program, and you know I. I wasn't with the team very long. Like I only was able to cover them for a season, you know, as a photographer. Um, but it's like one of those things where like, it's cool to be on the inside, not because like you see every single little part, but you do get to be like a part of like all the little, like you said, ins and outs. Um, and you know, it's not like you're sitting in, you know, fickle's office when he's trying to figure out who he's going to recruit or this or that but like being being a part of that team when something crazy is happening especially for me like this season and you too being in that 2019 season like that was everything was on the cusp we knew that we were there we just had to figure out how to put it together and for once we were finally seeing that happen and and then 2020 felt very similar but coming into this year now and and really like focusing on the fact that we're in this scenario where we're a top 10 team, we're expected to be a top 10 team all season being in a situation like Indiana, when we were down, like those, those moments you're like, we have to hold our own. We have to be that team that like can prove it because it's not just like, and I, you know, we, we can again, circle back to this, but being those G five teams, people expect you to hold up your end of the deal. And it's just like we've seen uh, this past weekend with BYU. Everybody's like, BYU's that team. They're, you know, they're a G5 team that could do it. They're, they could go to the playoff or they could do this. Now, do we have different opinions of that? Yes, of course, because we're the ones for that. We're that team. But if there's anything to learn, like nobody's talking about BYU already. That happened Saturday. They're done. Everybody stop talking about BYU. Yep. There's no playoff chance. There's no anything. They'll get a cool bowl. Their season's done right now. Like, that's just... Unfortunately, the playoff has created such a scenario where you lose one game, you're done. Unless you're Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, or Ohio State, or Oklahoma. If you're one of those five teams, you get the grace of one game. Sometimes, you're lucky enough to get two. But I'll be damned if a G5 team loses a game within the next five years and makes a playoff, like, in this current scenario. It's not possible. Like you'd have to beat up on all these other top, uh, you know, Big Ten, SEC, ACC teams, and look—I mean, look at Clemson—they're out of the race already too. And and so, again, like, 
there's a lot of gravity for the Bearcats right now. And there's a lot of like people that are just trying to, <laughs> you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and like, all right, let's get to work. Like we've got to, we've got to figure this out because we could really do it. Like there's a chance that we can actually make this happen. And that has never felt possible. But for once as a G5 team, it feels possible and it feels good. There's a weird level of confidence too around this team because like the players all feel confident. Like I've heard I mean, every Desmond Ritter interview he's done. He's just like, he's not cocky, but he's just confident. Like he's confident in himself. He's confident in his abilities. And like, Last year, like, there was, like, like in conference play, other than the conference championship game where UC was coming off all of those COVID, um, like, missing time with, you know, COVID, and all those guys were out, and they hadn't been able to fully practice until, like, you know, that, that last week before the game. Um, like, other than that, they haven't really, like, been close in, like, one of these games in the past year and a half. Yeah. Now, like... You, like we were definitely losing in the Indiana game, but it never like from all the reports, the guys on the sidelines were like, "We're good, we're cool, we're chill." Like, let's just like figure it out, let's keep rolling. And you know, as Cincinnati sports fans, like we don't have to talk about the other teams right now because we're talking cats, baby, yeah. cats. It's weird to feel like like not supremely confident, but it's weird to like feel confident and feel. And good about your chances because even in that 2019 year where we were both on the squad like we unexpectedly went down to the wire with both east carolina and south florida and like you can't i'm not going to see that happening this year no yeah. matter how much mike houston hates luke fickle after uh, a fake punt that was in the formation yeah. it was not called it was in the formation it was checked run and then letting the senior walk on run for a touchdown tackle the yeah. guy mike houston anyway we'll talk we'll talk <laughs> about him uh, during that week so um but I, it's like they like fickle is like a very steady figure and like uh even for a guy who was in like the jim trestle urban meyer tree at ohio state where like those coaching staffs were not immune to a weird loss here and yeah. there and and like but like he's kind of like you know rock steady and uh, everybody says he's a very normal guy, which I would say he is. Like, he's a pretty normal guy. He's not, like, rah-rah football coach, grumble-grumble. Right. Like, he's he's pretty normal. And, like, and I think there's, like, something cool about what's going on at UC. And that I think another thing that, and, like, you know, we can talk about UCF later, but I think something they did and what I like more about what we're doing right now is we're just kind of letting our play show itself mm -hmm. on the field. And, like, I don't, there are definitely, every Twitter section, uh, fan base has like a, a vocal, loud, like respond to everybody mm -hmm. and just say like, you don't know that and you know, yeah. like stuff like that. But I feel like we're not annoying like UCF. Now I could be wrong, but I feel like since we had the exposure in the Big East, I think, feel like this is something we talked about on an old episode. Since we've had that run in the Big East where we were like one, went to the Orange Bowl in uh, you know, 13, uh, 08 and then Sugar Bowl in 09 right. had that undefeated season and stuff. Like, I feel like we have a little bit of like how we know this is supposed to go. Right. And I feel like it's also just because like our coach isn't now Scott Frost was not that loud on that 2017 team, but other than John Cunningham getting us to the big 12, he hasn't really been saying anything like Danny white at the time for UCF was just like talking crap every other week about like the playoff and stuff. 
I think they just pissed everybody off. Yeah. Where we're just kind of like we're going with the flow, staying with the radar, doing our job, like kind of very much like the program, like like Luke Fickle wants it to be in his program. I feel like the athletic department is treating it the same way where, right. you know, we're happy and, um, you know, our, our buddy Spencer Tuckerman is like definitely like putting out some funny stuff after we win games. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, the, the Brian Kelly mashup from a couple weeks ago was great, but, but other than that, I feel like it's kind of tame. Yeah. You know, like, well, and I would, we're the number three t- team in the country and it's like, yeah, we know, like we're supposed to be here. Like we feel like we're, yeah, and, and I think like the biggest thing that I've noticed too is, you know, really piggybacking off what you said, but it it feels like we have a uh, a certain confidence that's you know not been in, it's not ingrained in any Cincinnati fans that are our age. I've never felt confident about any team ever. It, it, like just being a Cincinnati fan, the the things that I could do death and taxes on. Where Cincinnati Bearcats rolling in basketball, getting to March Madness, and then cross your fingers and say your prayers. I have death and taxes, because we could run the whole table regular season. We could do that for so long when we finally got it going. Reds, set yourself up for disappointment every year. They're making progress, strides, great. Bengals, when it counts, they, they don't get it done. That's it's just they're great. They're they're either terrible or they're great. And then when they're great, they still don't get it done. They they're always missing that X factor. And like for once, there's a Cincinnati team where it's like you can watch them dominate from generally front to end. And and if the, and if we're down, like I have confidence that we're coming back. It's not a like, oh my god, like what's gonna happen? Like the Indiana game, I was like, okay, this is rough, but. I know we're going to win. Like there's that back end where it's like, I'm expecting to win and I will be damned if I'm disappointed. Like, you know, it, it, for once that's actually happened and it's great that we can materialize this. And, and now I think other people are finally starting to recognize that because clearly, as you just mentioned, which I don't think we've really put enough spotlight on the Bearcats are number three in the AP poll, which is crazy. Like our highest ever rank was five. And that was when we beat Pitt. I mean, we were at five. I don't think we moved because that was the end of the regular season ranking. So we never surpassed that. And now we just jump from five to three. Like, and it's, you know, for a G5 team to go in the, to be in the top 10, to win a game against a team that's not ranked, you know, chaos happened. And I want to touch on that here in a second because we, we do have to kind of keep rolling with these things. But we... We had a little bit of chaos that helped us out, but for a G5 team, again, to jump two spots in the top 10 in one weekend, playing a team that's not ranked, that is also a G5 team, says a lot. I mean, we got, we got some extra gifts, but like the fact that like we didn't get jumped by Oklahoma, we're not, we didn't get jumped by these other you know, teams that are breathing down our necks right now is I think people are finally starting to give us some of that respect. I mean, we'll see how that holds out coming the rest of the season, especially considering our SOS isn't going to be clearly as strong if we finish out versus if OSU or Oklahoma, all of them finish out. But again, we'll get to that. But it's just nice to like finally feel like other people are witnessing what's happening, and it's not just happening in Cincinnati. 
it's happening all over the country. People are watching us and it's cool because we're on the stage, we're yeah. on the spotlight. And you know, and, and I I want to point this out too. I don't part of me thinks this is bad luck. So it's not a superstitious thing on my end. I can't help it. I don't know if I like that CFP trophy coming this weekend. It just feels to me like it's a cool thing. People are recognizing it, but it just mm. It just feels like they're just trying to build up as much pressure as they can. And when that bubble pops, if it does, we're going to, we're, I mean, it's going to be miserable. But to that same point. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I just wouldn't think about that too much. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a piece of metal. You <laughs> That's know? true. Like, like uh, the, the MLB commissioner would say, and all it's going to do is just sit in the corner there, you know, like it's not going to like, they'll put it out for one TV shot and then they'll take it away right. and stuff, you know, like, I just like I'm not I'm not exactly worried about the playoff right now because like I'm just like those buffoons don't come out for another month yeah, so or like another three weeks and I think UC last year got helped a lot by um, AP poll liking us a lot mm-hmm. uh, teams not playing for a while and UC playing well in those stretch where like the Big Ten teams weren't playing right. and I think also because like a couple of those teams weren't playing. UC got like at least two or three ABC games, yeah. like three thirty ABC or like noon ABC games, and like you know, like that says a lot. Like any journalist in the country, like they can't claim, oh, we were asleep for that game; it was too late. Right. Like maybe the SMU game, they could say that, but like for the games that we were on ABC and we like we were like you know clearly the better team at home, like and then like that eight o'clock ABC primetime uh, conference championship game, like I don't know, I. I think 2020 helped the Bearcats a lot because if it was a normal year and we were still good, like I don't know if we would have gotten that same love. You yeah, know? You, so you're is saying that, is that fair to do say? You, do you think the ABC game is better than the Facebook live stream game at Marshall? <laughs> do you remember that? God, that that was shit. awful. Oh, I. Oh, but again, you know, man. to your point, to to give your point credit, like it is good to have those primetime games because and. In those things just get you. It's not just oh, other people across the country are going to pay attention to you. You get like, like you said, journalists. You get reporters, people that this is their job to report on the day what's happening. They have to pay attention to that, and it's not just some game that's going to slip into nowhere. When you have that primetime slot, they're going to cover it. It's just how it works, and so you know those those benefit us, especially when we win them. And you know, with last year, like. We ran the table and it came down to the wire with Georgia. Like it's it's one of those things where we had a solid season and it it was hard to say no to the Bearcats and now we get to piggyback off that this year to help us get started and now we just got to keep rolling. And so, you know, I do want I want to make sure that we're covering a lot of these things cuz we do have a lot on our outline here, but um I do want to cover for a second the chaos, the absolute chaos that we had this weekend in just college football in general, but specifically the AP Top 25. Because uh, there's more than what I even have listed on here, but the 1, 4, 10, 13, 7, and I, I want to say the 13 seed was Arkansas, who lost to 17. Um, help me out here. Uh, they lost to 14 Ole Miss. Ole Miss, okay, yeah. Um, and I think... 18 and 21, something like that, lost their games. And Auburn dropped out of the top 25 altogether. It was at 18, which is crazy. But again, like 
this week we had Alabama lose. We had Penn State and Iowa, which three and four go at it, of course. One's going to lose. They're going to drop. And unfortunately for Penn State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma had marquee games that are just, you know, those performances, you're going you're gonna to move up. And if you're Penn State, you're going to get penalized for a loss, even if it was a crappy game and a loss by three. I sound like a Penn State fan. <laughs> Not a Penn State fan, but that's just the way the top 10 rolls. And again, it's, uh, you know, we're looking right now is, Who's going to cannibalize who? Because as long as we can run the American this whole way, rest, the rest of the way out, we're good. The Pac-12 already killed itself with Oregon. They're out. Like, they can't. Like Stanford, unranked loss, that's hard to come back from. There's no way Oregon has that. that one there would have to be some major losses from OSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, and somebody else from surprise teams for Oregon to have credibility because they did have a great win against OSU. But again, these top 10 shakeups are crazy. But the big one here is Alabama. This really shifts things in the way that we talk about the playoff coming for the rest of the season because, you know, Alabama loses the game. They get a slap in the back of the head and say, you know, get back on the horse. We got to make sure you make the playoff. Like that's, that's the playoff committee's job because they're going to make it every year. It's just the way it is. But having Georgia and Iowa and um, us in that top three, like we're, we're vying for that spot. And if one of those two teams slips up and we just take care of business, we are moving up. And that's the crazy thing to think about is because if we're in a top three position at the end of the season, we cannot be denied. I mean, other people might disagree with me, but I feel like there's no way if we do not drop below where we're at now for the rest of the season, there's no way we're get, we can get denied. It's, it would have to be contractual for the playoff committee to say G5 teams aren't allowed in for us to not make it. So, And the, I think the other thing is like, I'm just greedy and I want every top 10 team to lose. Like, yeah. I just want it to be like, leave no doubt. Like, I don't think we would ever get to number one just because like, you know, like we probably haven't like, you know, if, you know, Alabama wins again and like Georgia like loses like it would take a lot for us to ever get to number one mm-hmm. and like I don't think we would ever be like a playoff number one we could be an AP number one but like I don't know I think the playoff committee would just like be like that we can't do that yeah. like they're they're outside the club they can't even get right. in you know like I just I don't know but it's very exciting it's a fun time um I saw something last week that was like this was the most this has been the most upsets like seven weeks into a season since 2007, which is like, you know, very chaotic. Yeah. It's great for the Bearcats as long as we can hold serve and keep winning. Um, I don't, I'm not impressed with Iowa. Iowa's like not great. Uh, you know, Georgia is definitely the most impressive team, mm-hmm. but who knows? Maybe like they have a crap game and they, they lose or like, you know, if they lose to Alabama or whatever happens, you know, who, who knows like what, like what, what will happen with them. Um, like the teams behind us, like you know, Ohio State is kind of coming, but like, man, like you know, they still got to play Penn State, they still got to play Michigan State, they still got to play Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they they got a lot of tough teams on their schedule. And me, I like you know, UC definitely like. I just hate I like the one thing I hate about Twitter is that people have like three talking points they come at you with. Like, uh, your schedule's not very good. Uh, we have more talent than you, and like. 
Well, I guess the other one is just like dumb fan who just says like we'd they'd win by twenty eight points and like two, two touchdown wins. People, time. yeah, and like <laughs> they say like yeah, like they wouldn't match up. Like and like we matched up with Georgia last year. We don't have to talk about the game, but we matched up. Yeah, and I think maybe we could match up with Alabama. I I want to see it on the field. Yeah. And obviously, like it's no use getting mad at like some dude that's got forty followers and like uh, I was talking trash with a guy this week who's like. His only defense for me is why Ohio State was better than Cincinnati was the the 2019 score, yeah. and I was like, okay, great, but that's like two years ago, not this year. And then he said his trash talking strategy on Twitter was just like to tra- uh, talk trash for a while and then go back and delete the te- his tweets the next day. I was like, that's no fun. Like, keep your receipt. You're just trying to like, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I I just. I don't know. Hey, I'm just gonna enjoy the ride and like if chips fall where they may, that's great. I want to win like another conference championship yeah. because like I, I think everybody knows, but I think like I want to show UCF that we're you know still the top of this conference. I want to show Memphis that we're still the top of this conference. Like we showed Temple that we're still the top of this conference. <laughs> we showed like, Temple they're still the bottom and, of the like, conference. <laughs> yeah, and like man, I don't know. Like I think you know the one of the the Luke Fickleisms that everybody's saying on the team, including Desmond Ritter, is control what you can control. Yeah. And like as long as they do their job and let the chips fall where they may around them, they, they, the only thing they can really do is set themselves up to be in the best possible position on that Sunday. And then the committee's got to be like, okay, you earned it. You come on in. Yeah. And like, I just don't think me like you know I won't. I can't tell any other fans to do like to not yell or complain. But to me. I think like it's no use complaining about that when we've seen the committee in the past right. like discredit G5 teams and I think you know you just got to play who's ahead of you win like by as much as you can or look the, as good as you can while winning mm-hmm. and put the best possible resume in front of them and if they still turn you down then then you can say yeah. them. then uh, or then you can say, say screw them you know like it's just uh, you guys like are holding us out but I think you just got to, if you're a UC fan, and like, I know that's not as fun for people because I know people like to argue because yeah, that's, that's our society <laughs> today, baby. We got to talk about stuff. Um, but I, to me, I'm just like going to stop worrying about it because like I know what's coming and I don't, I just, I, I, I don't even think I watched the last three playoff rankings shows last year because mm-hmm. they make a whole show out of like, you know, top 25 rankings. And I know ESPN is just trying to like get some ad revenue off of it, but like, I don't know. It would be cool though, to see our name up there for sure. And I probably will watch the first one to like, to see how high we go. And like, they claim every week they re-rank the teams from one to 25, but we know that's not true. Like, and I think as long as our scores look good and we look good doing it, uh, you know, that's just something we can do. So let me ask you one thing about the, the Temple game yeah. real quick. 52-3 mm-hmm. final, but 17-3 to at halftime. Now, it was a pretty convincing 17-3. to Temple muffed a punt on their on their nine-yard line, and then we scored, and then you know they got really lucky to score that three points because they basically had Justin Tucker implanted <laughs> yeah. in, into the, te- uh, the Temple roster somehow in the kick and went over the bar um but are you like at all concerned i saw bill Connolly, uh espn guy tweet out this week that like you know cincinnati kind of goes into lulls on offense and now this year that's kind of different than 
last year I think we were just better than everybody and we were just like kicking right. ass. This year I definitely would say we've probably gone into some lulls. Obviously, I think the Murray State game is the outlier just because people don't recognize that Murray State played a full eight game schedule this spring. And like, you know, they they had already played two uh, like a game before that too. So they yeah. were running on full cylinders and like UC hasn't obviously played since last fall. So like I think I think that one can be excused away a little bit more than the others, but like uh and then like the Notre Dame game, obviously we were driving in the third quarter and then Des fumbles the uh, like gets hit on a blind right. slide, fumbles that ball. But but like would you tend to agree with that that like we kind of go into lulls a little bit on offense? I'm I do have to agree there are some points where it's just like it there there's points where it, I don't the best thing I can equate it to for any kind of Cincinnati fan right now is kind of like watching in a way the Bengals but without the pressure of the loss that you feel is incumbent. Like it's that for some reason you can get this bomb that goes to the house 75 yards it could be a pass it could be a run it could be something. And then the next drive, it's a three and out. And it's like, where did that come from? Like, why why can't we keep this consistent? Like, why are we having these issues? But, you know, and, and I think there's a little bit for me where I'm kind of like, you know, it, it's not a big deal. And I don't think that it should be because, you know, in my, in my mind, the way I look at it, we are a second half team. I, I think that first half is just us rubbing off the rust from the week before or rubbing off the you know practice or the jet whatever it might be something and we're just working out those kinks because once they come out at halftime they're running on full cylinders every time and it's it, it might not it's not just an offensive thing but it's a defensive thing too like they are able to operate at 100% every time they come out of second half because the defense shuts down or the offense scores and We've seen that time and again with Notre Dame, with Indiana, with, you know, um, even like with Murray State. Like, it's it might not look great in the first half. There might be some points where we're like, okay, we have control, or okay, it's, you know, close, but that second half team comes out, and I feel so much more confident. I look at the first half, and for me, it's just one of those things where I'm like, what can we put up? Can we put up enough to create a buffer if for some reason second half doesn't show up. But I am always more confident after halftime than I am before with this team, which is a good confidence to have because I'd rather feel better about the second half than the first. Because, you know, if you if for those of you who watch a lot of basketball, you know there's first half and second half teams, and those first half teams can come out going nuts and they exhaust all their energy at half by halftime. And they come out and you're just crossing your fingers that they can maintain a lead and so for once i feel like you know we really have that control um so i i don't know i look at offense and those there's some times where you know you're kind of like well what happened on that drive or we get like a first down and then it's another again three and out or it's just we can't get that extra edge i still look at it as we've got the control from start to finish we not we might not be the um, we might not be in a lead, but I feel like we still have the momentum the whole game. And that's that's the part where I felt confident. So I, I I agree and I disagree. But one thing I do want to mention here, because we are bringing up the Temple game, um, which is, of course, important. It's their most recent game. Uh, thank you, Temple, for uh, your three points 
um, helping to propel us to number three. Uh, that was very pivotal, <laughs> especially again with all this chaos this week. But um, big things here: the Bearcats totaled over 540 yards, which is a huge sum, even you know for any team, obviously. But for the Bearcats, the biggest thing that I noticed is that our run game was on. And that might be to the credit of Temple's defense not being prepared or whatever it might be, uh, or Temple just not being a quality team, whoever looks at it that way. But the Bearcats' run game was on, and it's been a little bit, um, I, you know, it, it's been hit or miss. And, you know, we've really relied on Dez a lot. And as far as, you know, we can get, we can punch it in when it's in the red zone, or we can punch it in here or there. But I feel like that run game hasn't been that st- dud that we've been like looking for you know with mike warren it's like you hand him the ball it's going somewhere jerome ford obviously i feel the same and i'm not gonna mince you know my words here but it just hasn't felt like our run game has been as dominant as the rest of our offense has i i look at it this way if ritter has the ball and pierce is in you know somewhere downfield he just has to throw it to him and that ball is getting caught. Like it's, it feels that way this year. And, you know, Pierce is grabbing everything out of the air. It, he's, it's crazy. But I feel like that, that made me a lot more confident going into these next few games to be able to see some of these guys and also to be able to see our depth because we had McClellan run a touchdown, Ford had two, Wright had one, and there may have been another rushing touchdown there that I'm forgetting. Um, but it was, no, I think you, yeah. And, and so, so four rushing touchdowns. And and none from Dez too, which Dez is a great runner, but four rushing touchdowns from our backs is great, and and that's something that we don't usually um, see so far this year. So um, that's that made me feel really good. Um, but also we had some gifts. Uh, Temple had two muffed punts, um, which how you do that twice in a game, um, you mess up the first one. I don't know if it was the same guy who muffed the second one. If it is, I'm sure he ran laps all week because I. It's two different guys, two. actually. I saw that in uh, game in tweet, uh, tweet in game. Wow. So, like, I mean, I don't know. They must have heard the footsteps of the Bearcats coming down the field. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, hear the footsteps. Woo! Yeah, I mean, so, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to get hit by anybody in our, in our, and on our side of special yeah. teams, but. Um, so I think like, you know, it was, it was a good game. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm interested that I'm, uh, that, it, that you said that because I'm kind of coming at it from the opposite way. And like, definitely our numbers are probably juiced from the temple game where, uh, Ford rushed so well, but he currently has 6.6 yards of carry this year. And like, I didn't check his numbers before that. Cause I know in the Notre Dame game and in the Indiana games, so it was more like three, three and a half, you yeah. know? Um, but so if you look at UCF's like uh, schedule so far, um, they've lost two games. One to Louisville. Um, that was kind of on a fluke where like they threw a interception, a pick six uh, as the game closed while their quarterback got hurt, and they definitely don't look as good. They they lost. They they were losing all the way until the end of the game last week uh, when they won. Uh, had a game-winning touchdown against East Carolina at home with about 20 seconds left. Dude, UCF has fallen from where yeah. they used to be. Bounce House was rocking. Yeah at the end of that game for a comeback win, which was funny. Um, but they they lost to Navy a couple of weeks ago, and we all know Navy has the flex bone, the, the triple option mm-hmm. uh, that they become kind of known for, famous for. So I think 
the plan of attack this week would be to run the ball, no? Yeah. Because, like, you know, if they don't have a defensive line and, you know, obviously triple option is different from just protecting the run because they you, you bring, like, you're, they're obviously not passing, so your linebackers have to come down and, like, all those uh, stay in their lane, stay in their gaps, follow, uh, stay, follow their man, all that good stuff. Um, but, like, if you're, if, like, UCF let a, a bad Navy, they, they're bad. Yeah. They're not very good. Don't let their record fool you. They, SMU doesn't have a good defense either, so I'm not too worried about that game later this year. But I think, like, you know, you got to, like, try and, like, establish the run a little bit. Mm-hmm. If those guys, like, can't stop Navy and let, let a bad Navy team score 34 on them, I think you got to try and at least establish the run. Right. And, like, you know, because now it's funny. Is I'm thinking now, like, Oh, so I checked like the the run pass uh, balances from the last few games. It's about about even. Like Indiana game was like twenty eight passes to thirty runs. Notre Dame game was like uh, thirty five passes to thirty two runs, and, okay. and that's not including like the kneel downs at the end of the right. game, which are considered runs. Um, so like I think you know you obviously got to pass the ball a little bit because receivers were recruited to play here right. to catch the ball, and you know you got. Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, Alec Pierce, obviously. By the way, our buddy Donnie said that if Pierce played for Alabama, he'd be a low-key Heisman candidate, which is an interesting take. And he's still he's still developing it, folks. So don't <laughs> jump on him right away. But um, I think though that like you know if if you make them like if you gash them every time yeah. for like ten yards or like six yards of carry on first down, and they and then they start bringing guys into the box put Tyler Scott or Trey Tucker one-on-one with one of those DBs. I know UCF recruits fast guys, but yeah. Trey Tucker is pretty fast too. And like, you know, just that separation he can make, uh, you know, it's a very tired cliche from football coaches of establish the run right. and then make them respect the run. So then you can pass. And obviously our defense, our offense is probably better than their, their defense. And I, we should be able to, you know, do well enough without having to like, like established or anything, but I think Ford's probably not going to be here next year because he's that good. And I think you know you got to use him. You, yeah. And you got Ethan Wright too. You got Ryan Montgomery as well. You got Charles McClellan. And like, just establish that run. Run it down their throat. Like, like tell them like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And I know we don't have to do that as much because Dez is a much better quarterback right. than he was in 2018 and 2019. And while you don't have the bell cow Michael Warren to rely on, you don't really need to rely on him anymore because, like, Des, can, Des is accurate. He can make those throws. Um, I, like, I, th- I say you, like, at least try to run the ball on them because, like, I don't think their defensive line is very good based on, like, what they've shown this year so far. And yeah. establishing the run is just so demoralizing to a team. <laughs> and, like, you know, if, if a team gets an early pick – you know, early pick, they punch it in and score. They go up seven nothing on you. They start to believe a little bit. I don't want them to believe for one second that they can beat us on Saturday. Yeah, like just demoralize. That's them. I'm because they're our rival and they're coming with us to the Big Twelve. And I want to let them know, like we're the better team. Yeah, and we're going to be the better team. Yeah, we're the better program. We're the we're the reason that you know, obviously Texas and Oklahoma are the reason the Big Twelve expanded, but we're the reason that they came after the American. You know. If it they they needed teams, but let's be honest, if there was an expansion right now of the Big Twelve for two teams, I mean they're pulling UC 
do you think they pull oh, BYU, BYU yeah. or do you think they pull pull UCF? Yeah. I mean, it, who's who's going to say oh. UCF in that situation? Like it's it's it, and we saw too with like USF, SMU, Memphis. Memphis was dominating for so long, and they fell off at the wrong time. And it sucks for them because I I love Memphis for us as a rival. They're fun to play against. I hated them in 2019. Still hate their guts. But Memphis is a great rival, and I love playing them. But it sucks because, you know, you see teams like that, and it's like, well, we don't get to have that anymore. And it's the what have you done for me lately. And for the Big 12, the what for you have done for... Eh, wow, I just butchered that. The what have you done for me lately is UC's top 10... UCF had a phenomenal run 2017, great season 2018. Like they've stitched together these things. BYU's been consistent and has been making noise. And so, like, it makes sense why these teams have to get pulled and come together. And it just sucks for a team like Memphis or even USF, like who had really some dominant years and now are just falling to the wayside. And I actually, I want to get back to that too, because the American is definitely a part of our conversation and we do have to keep rolling here. Mm -hmm. But um, the only point that I wanted to argue as much as I love the idea of the run game. And I do agree a hundred percent. We should do that. This is not as serious, but just because I saw that tweet, which I'm sure you saw too, of that guy that said, we're going to throw the ball at sauce Gardner because we want to score on him. Do it, (laughs) do it, do it, do it. I want to see, Three pick sixes from Sauce Gardner. Take it to the house. It's a poor choice. If that is in any kind of offensive game plan for UCF, which I doubt that it is, but if that's really the case, just be my guest. Have fun. I would love to see you try. But anyways, we could like, <laughs> we could, we could linger on those points for a while. But um, and and the only other thing I want to mention from Temple, which is a transition into this next conversation here, is. Ritter had three touchdowns, 259 yards, and looked like a stud. He got pulled for, I think, the first time this year, right? Because, you know. Uh, no, uh, Evan Prater in the, um, uh, went into the Miami, Miami game. Right, okay, yeah. So, but, but again, like, the fact that he's put up so much on the board and just, all right, protect our guy, cool. Let him, let him he's done what he needs to do. He's right now currently sitting at third in odds for the Heisman race, which thinking about the combination of a Bearcat and the Heisman trophy, is just something I haven't thought of in, you know, almost ever. Like it's, it's a thing where you're like, okay, I think even with, with Warren, like when we were looking at Mike, we were like, this guy could actually do it. Like he's putting up insane yards an insane amount of touchdowns. He's flooding it every single game. But the thing is, we didn't have the kind of steam then. We didn't have, like, we, we were a great team, but we didn't have the credibility of the extra years before us, which, again, is how that works. Brands are built on that. Teams are built on that. Year after year, what do you do? What are you consistent at? What have you done the past few years? And so Mike, unfortunately, just didn't have that three, four-year stretch. He wasn't a starter. or I mean, he, he was a starter, but he wasn't that guy that was able to, <laughs> you're not that guy, pal, but he was that, like, he was the guy who could do it for us, but unfortunately, in the broader scheme of things, he wasn't going to get that attention because of where our team was the past few years before that 2019 season. And so, now we look at this team, Des has been starting since the UCLA game, 
So it's right. Uh, no, he he came into that game. Uh, We're sorry, in, in the second quarter. That's what I'm but saying. Yes, after, after that, that yeah, game, exactly. Correct. That's what I'm. That, yeah, so thirty-five right. and six. So DC, yeah. he's put up insane numbers. He's been able to stay consistent. He has the highest winning percentage of any starting QB in the NCAA right now. It makes sense. Like this is a real thing, and like you know, I feel like the Heisman race. Like every year, there's guys where you're like. You know, there's some awards where, you know, I look at, uh, for me, just case of MVPs for NBA is like, you know who it's going to be every year. The Heisman race, like, I feel like every year there's those four or five guys and really, you never know which one of them they're going to pick because all of them do so much, you know, for their team. But I feel like Dez is just really in this race and I feel like he actually has a legitimate shot if he keeps putting up these kind of numbers and we get those big games. If we, I mean, call it, I'm trying to remember, is the Heisman selected before bowl games or like in the process? After. after. Uh, it's, it's, it's that day of the Navy, Army right. Navy game. Yeah. So, after. so, so it's one of those things where it's like, you look, you look at that broad scheme and you say, he, he's got a real shot because he's, he's been able to be that consistent guy. And he's finally at that point where, People have to respect him as a quarterback. He's not just the run scramble guy who can make those extra. Like he can do it all on offense. He is the everything package, and he's able to lead these Bearcats to games. And it's not just like okay, it's a full team effort, like which obviously it is. But like Dez is clearly making the plays to put us in these positions to win these games and to score. And so I feel like that's the quality that you look for. You look that X factor. It's like this is the guy. You can put somebody with the same stats up. And you might not win the game. Like, Dez is, and that's, that might sound weird, but <laughs> Dez is the guy where it's like, he feels like he has that X factor where he really makes a difference for this team. And he, he's the leader of this team. He's, he is every part of the core of this Bearcats team. And like you said, he walks, you know, he walks it and he talks it. I remember, like, everybody has to remember that Notre Dame quote where he said, they're not going to be loud, like, for too long. Like, and everybody was making a lot of noise about that and was saying like, oh, he's just running his mouth. It's, it's a lot of talk, but, you know, he's not going to be able to back it up Notre Dame by two, two, two touchdowns. And he went in there, did his job, shut him up like that. He's just there to do business. And, and I feel like that is somebody that should win the Heisman. And it feels more like even more real than like when Tony Pike was getting nominated for the Heisman because... Usually, if it's if a quarterback's going to win it, it's a dual threat guy. We've seen mm-hmm. that with Kyler. We've seen that with Lamar. Baker, not so much. He had some running legs, but he was kind of just like Oklahoma quarterback. Here you go. Yeah. Um. You know, and Burrow was obviously like one of the best quarterbacks, uh, more, most accurate, and just like, you know, he was like one of the best quarterbacks uh, we've ever seen in college football. So, of recent times, obviously, like, you know, two out of those four guys uh, are running quarterbacks, and and like. Or dual threat quarterbacks, I should say, not running quarterbacks. This is a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, like he's like I, he kind of fits the mold, and he has the opportunity because he's clearly the best player on the team. He has that opportunity to like really step up, have like a, a Heisman moment at some point yeah. this year, and like he's, you know, he he's gonna like be the 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 fulcrum, the central point of this entire mm-hmm. team. 
and we have a we have a real chance to like you know get him there as long as like we keep holding business because you know obviously Bryce Young from Alabama and Matt Corral from Ole Miss are the other two. Like you know, I think maybe it may, maybe it'll just be like a participation thing, like to, just to get to New, York, but just to get to New York. Yeah, a guy like Des from like a school like us. Yeah, who's never had like really any closeness other than the Tony Pike to for the Heisman that one year. Like he's real, he's definitely got a, a shot, and like even if he just gets to New York, it's awesome. Yeah, like I think that's like something that you should always say. Like our guy was like third in the Heisman voting, you know, or in like. Who's who's to say he doesn't win like one of those other awards like the Davy O'Brien right. or like you know one of those yeah. other like the like awards that aren't the Heisman? He's got a chance to win some of those. So, um, but I agree. Like, I think he's got the best chance to win it as long as he provides those right. moments. And uh, obviously, Matt Corral and uh, Bryce Young from Alabama are gonna get those moments because they both play in the SEC and they get the spotlight on them the brightest out of college football every week. But as the spotlight's pretty bright on him, like yeah, know, people are still talking about us. It's not like we're a plucky, like you know, fifteenth, fifteenth uh, ranked team. We're number three, and like you know, that gives you some some spotlight. And he twelve o'clock on Saturday, ABC, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Bearcats. And you know, I'm really excited to see where where he takes it from there. Absolutely. So, uh, but I agree. I think like he's got a real cha- a real shot. I could see him. If like if somehow one of our games are close, which I hope they're not, but and like he pulls it out, well, actually, I take that back. Maybe he's already kind of had his like September early early season Heisman moment when he like scored that icing touchdown against Notre yeah. Dame. I, I was just thinking about that. Um, I think you know if that holds, I think that could be the final highlight on his highlight package of him running into the end zone and then I clipped it on the uniform tracker account of him cupping his ear up yeah. to the Notre Dame fans. I think if you asked him, he would say, no, I wanted to hear more from the UC fans. Cause I think he <laughs> ran to that end zone or whatever, but, uh, it, it was for the, no, for sure. Let's be, let's be real. Yeah. So, well, and, um, and so, you know, kind of taking to these points too, like, um, seeing how well this team is doing and seeing how much noise we're making and seeing how we're performing, um, you would think we'd get this shot at game day. And this weekend seemed like the weekend of all weekends for us to get it because, you know, UC UCF is like a, it's a big game for us. And I think it, you know, other people have paid attention to this game and they see it as a G5 thing. Like, okay, UCF, it's a familiar name now. Like, how could you not, how could you miss UCF in the 2017, 2018 seasons when it's just, they're rolling and they claim their own national championship like how can you know those kind of things like people know ucf now and people know uc so i think this is one of those games where like we had a chance it was a down week for a lot of other top 10 matchups um or top 25 matchups and so like it it would make sense because we have that chance and yet again we got blue ball by game day because <laughs> they just don't want to come to Cincinnati. They don't want to spend time in Clifton. They don't want to put a spotlight on Skyline Chili. They don't. <laughs> There's all these things. Like I think it would be so cool to have game day in Cincinnati just because of how much um, you know college football means to us. Because there's a lot of cities where like you know it's they've got multiple college teams there. Or they've got. Um, 
you know, or it's a, like a statewide thing for like one team. And it's like, for us, like, this is our, this is our team. Like, this is our football team. There's no real competition here in Cincinnati. Miami, like, sorry, you're just not it. Like, that, you're not that guy, pal. <laughs> and, and, you know, the closest next thing you have is OSU, which obviously they're their own whole show. But, like, for Cincinnati, we have a lot, you know, we have a lot to offer. And I think that for game day, I think it would just be a cool thing to have. But, again, that's one of those things where you look at it and it's like, Ah, they didn't come. You can't be angry about it, but you can for this one point is that they went to Georgia for the third time this year. In seven weeks, they've been yeah. there three times. And Georgia, yeah, they're they're number one team. They're they're the number one team. They're making noise. They're great. Like their team looks solid end to end. But come on, give us something different. Like for us guys who want to sit up before those games and watch the rest of the games for twelve hours that day. We want to watch ourselves get hyped up. We want to be on. And we've we've come to bring the show, so why not bring the show to us? The only point I'd push back on is that it's a noon game. And for those noon games, they are outside for the first two hours of the show, and then the third hour of the show, they go in the stadium. And mm -hmm. they, it's like, it's not as good of a show from inside of the stadium. And, like, I want... Like, if it's going to be the first time coming to UC, yeah. I would want it to be, like, the full experience, all three hours of the show on campus. I'm kind of worried that they're going to pull a temple on us and, like, put it, like, in, like, downtown Cincinnati yeah. at, like, the at like Fountain Square, yeah. which I don't even know if it's, if it's big enough because they got that permanent stage there now. But anyway, like, you know, just seeing McMicken in the background or, like, you know, TUC in the background or something like that and, like, all those crazy Bearcat fans and, like, I'm just imagining a morning haze. Yeah. Like the fog mm, just mm. rising from a Cincinnati Saturday morning, a good 45 degrees. Yeah. And then Reese Davis comes on the air, Lee Corso. Uh, so I actually got to watch game day from behind the set when I was, uh, when I was on the team in uh, on the video staff in 2018, we went to the UCF uh, game yeah. day and we got there like, at like 8:30 because we were taking the bus there of like alumni and like donors to go to the go to it and I recorded it also uh for us on like our, our little like recording HDMI device uh or uh HMR10 mm -hmm. whatever it was called uh, to like record the entire TV broadcast just so you see could have that even though it wasn't like our broadcast right. it was like it just be something to, for us to have so but um I think like uh, the only the thing that was cool about that though is like how crazy all those people were and like you know there's a lot of fan interaction too at some parts and obviously Corso his big reveal for that was he got dressed up in the mascot costume right. uh, for that uh, for his like headgear pick mm -hmm. uh, because he's from Orlando and stuff it was cool um, but like it was still like even though we were behind the stage we weren't in the crowd we didn't get there in enough time to be in the crowd it was cool still like be right there yeah. like next to all those people and you could tell that was a big day for UCF right. like have all those people there and like uh, they had like their police cars mm -hmm. there that had the 2017 national champions <laughs> wrap on it like uh, it was just it was a cool day and I want UC to experience that yeah. so real quick before we move on to our next topic would you agree with me that it should go to McMicken like, oh I my only my only concern is that, like, if you notice, McMicken kind of like slopes yeah. a little oh, bit, like down, it does. Uh, which is like, 
I mean, I'm sure they could figure that out, but that's just like that's weird to me that like it like I guess like if you really wanted a flat ground, you could do it in front of like the old Chem building and have like uh, the McMicken. I know, and well, but like the backdrop would be like the University Pavilion, right. McMicken, TUC, and like if you if they really needed flat ground, you could do that. Um, but like. Obviously, the ideal spot would be right in front of McMicken. I think if they were to do that, it might it might uh, interfere a bit with um, obviously tailgating. But I think Sigma would be a good spot to do it too. Like Sigma Commons is flat; yeah. it's got the space, it can hold concerts. They do everything there, and you can see a good chunk of campus. You get the rec center, you get the engineering building, you get the brand new Linder Center. I like. I, I think it's a good backdrop. I think it's just got all those hills true. there, though. which is a good point. I, I'll agree with you yeah. on that. But you know, they the set's big, but it's big enough to where they can work with that. But my only question for you before we move on from this topic is, how bricked up would you be if you saw Lee Corso in a Bearcats <laughs> Bearcats head? Oh, <laughs> six to midnight, yeah. baby! Come on. <laughs> That would be amazing. God, I wanted that so bad. I God, I can't even imagine yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah, like just him, like for some reason on the on the shakely lawn, right in front of the baseball stadium. Just like yeah. you know, like he comes like running out and he does like the down the drop, down the drive in his corso way, yeah. and then puts on the head. Like that'd be awesome. That would be so sweet. I'd love that. That'd be great. Well, and, and... I, I think that yeah, I think it, I. I'm kind of partial to Shakely now too, because it's like you That's get the stadium point. in the backdrop and too. Third. So. And you could yeah. you get a lot. I mean, that, center, honestly, yeah. that's a good spot too because it's flat. You have the space, and on top of that, like that's just it's cool because of the format of our campus. Like our athletics center is Shakely is the center of all athletics. Like it's and you get Linder in the yeah. background too, the you know, trophy hall. So in the athletics building, so I think that would be really cool. But hard transition here. I have to jump to this because it really got, you know, it, I wouldn't say that it got to me. It's just, it never ceases to amaze me how ignorant OSU fans are and how like obnoxious they are because we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, but like, uh, who was some, some like maybe it was a sidelines account or something. Somebody put up a question of, who would it actually it also when we will we'll we'll jump back to this too again where it's uh, oh, it was fox college yeah. football who put out that uh original yeah. tweet yeah but so the the first thing that we saw was the mckenzie melton thing right or is it the osu one first i want to say it was the mckenzie one osu was monday uh, mckenzie melton was yesterday. okay 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 so osu question what or the question was who's the best team in the state of ohio right now just give us the credit, man. For once in our damn lives, give us the credit that we deserve. <laughs> OSU fans just can't let it down because of the 2019 year, 2015. And, and like, you know, and I'll, I'll, here, we'll put it out in the air. Sure, we have not beat OSU since literally whatever, before 1900. It's not like we play them year in and year out, one. And two, this team stacks up. This team actually is able to like run the table and is actually able to match up with an OSU team who, by the way, as much as they have dominated, they've played some pretty pony ass teams this year. Like, 
I mean, you can't tell me that Rutgers is a, like, I don't care what year it is. Rutgers is just not the team that's going to get it done. They're, they're never going to be that team in the Big Ten. Everybody asks year in, year out, how are they still in the Big Ten? Yeah, cool. You, you ran the table with Rutgers, but it's not impressive. And so, like, everybody's using this credit of the 2019 game. And, like, any time, I, I even have friends, like, some of my close, close friends who went to OSU, and I can mention anything you see, and it's a joke, but, like, it's something like, oh, my God, you know, we're number three right now, 42-0. That's all I get. And it's like, just give us something, man. Like, just recognize something. Yeah, I think that's just, like, how they are in general because, like, they, like, they get so worked up. And it's the only thing I respect Ohio State for is that they get so worked up for that Michigan game yeah. when it's clear that they've been better for years yeah. now. Years on years on years. They whip them every time. But Ohio State still gets up every time yeah. for that game. Like, they, like, somehow they have... They're the biggest team and one of the biggest teams in college football and still have a Napoleon complex about beating Michigan. <laughs> like, you know, that's like the, the one thing that drives them, you know. Uh, but I think it's like it's because of that, of that complex, of that process they have, you know, of always wanting to beat Michigan, always wanting to be the best. Like they just gotta like fucking throw it in our face <laughs> every time about like oh four two nothing, twenty nineteen. Well, and it's also just that like I don't know. I think they don't. They don't really watch our games. I don't think so, at least. And like, they they can say, "Oh yeah, Ohio State got a lot better over the last four games. They have a chance to like really be good." They fucking played Akron. Yeah. Akron, Tulsa, uh, Rutgers, and Maryland. Like, and the, the Ohio State Rutgers game was like on the same day as Notre Dame Cincinnati. Guess who had all the national headlines that day? You see, right. and. They, I mean, obviously, I think they smell, like, they, they know we're coming. And, like, I mean, they can say all they want. Like, you know, come on now. We're Ohio State. We're not worried about that. Like, right. You know, we, we got our own stuff to worry about. But I've always thought this, and I'm glad the Big 12 finally followed up on it, but there's, like, clearly a market in Cincinnati. And, like, right. a lot of people are on the fence between they're both UC and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously you could say UC was my G5 team, OSU was my main team, because OSU, like, you know, but we're in the same, like, level now. Yeah. You know, we're we're on this, we're, and we're not on the top five teams, one of the top five programs in college football. We're not recruiting at the, like, a top 15 level just yet. Mm. But, like, if we start competing for recruits with them, it's going to be on. Like, it's going to be a real thing. And, not to say that like Luke Fickle should be held to that, but I think he has a chance to really like up the recruiting game now that like the there's a recent fundraiser for like the that new plane that I think UC wants to buy for all their coaches to use to recruit, um, and I think there's also like just going to the Big Twelve and then having this profile this year. I mean, I don't talk to high school kids other than my brother uh, and like his friends. And I don't want to be one of those weird dudes. I don't. I like that our fans like are interested in recruits because I think that's the next level of developing like a huge diehard fan base is people who care about recruits yeah. and recruiting, recruiting rankings in and out. Because I I feel like before the fickle era, no one cared about like our recruiting rankings. Yeah. And, like, 
the Kelly era, like we were like we were definitely good, but our recruiting was not that good. Right. And he kind of just like got lucky with like having like you know just getting his strengths and like playing to that offense. Right. But the thing to me is that like Ohio State can't fathom anybody else having a piece of their pie. It's theirs. Yeah. Like and it, for a hundred years, Ohio State fans have grown up with that thought process that like. Yeah, this is ours. Like we got this shit. We have a chance to win every year. Yeah. They've never had a prolonged uh, streak of them being not good at football. Right. Like, and I think they see UC coming up as like, eh, you guys are nothing. But I think there's a real chance that like an in-state competitor to Ohio State, and I don't know if it's ever possible for us to get to that top three level of Alabama, Clemson before this year. Ohio State and you know like those because those programs have been built for years and years and years and years and years. UC was uh, one AA in 1984. <laughs> that's only like that's less than less than 40 years ago. Yeah. So it's like the program is on a meteoric rise mm-hmm. now for sure. And uh, my encompassing point for this was that I was always surprised that the Big 12 or like another power conference didn't try and come into the state of Ohio and be like, we're taking like they're going to try and combat with Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Because, like, there's definitely a lot of people that are, like, you know, like I said, they're one have uh, fans of both teams, but if you can convert a couple of those people, and, uh, like, you know, people can still be, you saw, I don't know if you saw the, the White Sox guy from Barstool go up to uh, famous actor John Cusack and uh, tell him he couldn't be, a, a, couldn't be at the White Sox game because he was a Cubs fan. <laughs> But then Cusack came back and responded and was like, oh, yeah, I know the first baseman from the 1983 White Sox. Do you know who that is? And, like, was naming off all this trivia. And, like, that seems, like, corny. Yeah. Like, I, I I used to really care about that, like, people who went to UC being Ohio State fans. Now I don't. You're just wrong. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like another thing, too, is that Ohio State makes it act like they're like so much more academically superior yeah. to UC. Like, bro, we're Ohio schools. Like, I mean, Ohio State's acceptance rate is what sixty percent, and like yeah. even the kids who don't get into Maine, Ohio State, go to like one of those branch campuses for two years, get if their you associates. Ask, it's literally impossible to... not to make it to Maine campus. So you're not yeah. you're not yeah. building. I mean, like they got sixty thousand kids for a reason. Yeah. It's not like Yale or some. I just like their arguments are also like hokey and tacky, and I they're tacky and I hate. Them. <laughs> that sums it up really well, and I think that's a good that's a good uh, nail in the coffin on that one because one one of the thing you kind of touched on too is like sort of having these battles of these teams in state or having these battles of these like other conference teams. I'm trying to figure out how the AAC is going to be able to compete with anybody to have like the recognition that they have now, because what the, what Texas and Oklahoma did to the big 12, we're doing to the nth degree to the AAC. Like we are destroying the American walking out UCF, obviously us and you know, our good friends <laughs> honestly in this very moment i'm blanking out on <laughs> oh uh houston thank you houston goodness gracious he, i don't know why houston is just not i maybe maybe i block out all of the you know whatever but anyways 
Uh, basketball season starts <laughs> yeah. in a couple weeks. We'll, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll come back to that. Houston then. Um, but it's one of those things where you look at like how this conference has to try to regather itself, and it has to do it fast because we've seen this with the Big East. We've been through this exact situation before. It's like you either you either do it right the second it happens and get on it or you burn out real fast. And I mean, and, I don't want the American to be some kind of skeleton conference because of like what we've, you know, what we've had with them, because I think it really is a, it's a powerful conference from, you know, those top five teams in the American year in, year out. But at the same time, like, thank you for everything. See you later. Like, <laughs> They've got to figure it out. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. And, and it, you know, I know this is really a point that you wanted to bring up too, but um, the things that they're trying to do now seem futile. Like, I, I don't, the, it, it's, it's not going to work for them. Like, they're not going to be able to have any kind of respect the same way that they did with, you know, the three teams that are now leaving the American. Like, it's, it's just impossible. You take out Houston for basketball. Goodbye. You take out UCF for football. Goodbye. You take out Cincinnati for, you know, football, and hopefully basketball gets right back on the right track. And we'll cover a lot more of that next week, by the way. Um, but you take us out, like you take those teams out of the equation. They can't compete with anybody to be that quote unquote power six conference anymore. It's it's done. Well, and like I can't tell them to just like you know I back down the line you're just one of the g5 because it's gonna be weird for cincinnati fans to not have to cape for the g5 and for the american anymore now that we're going to be in the, the big 12 and now it, i imagine be, just because of where the big 12 is like that we're going to have to start caping for the big 12 now among all the other power five teams but the thing to me is that like you know the american like the the three teams that got added were all teams that had big fan bases, whether you like it mm -hmm. or not, like UCF's got a big fan base, Houston's got a big fan base, Cincinnati's definitely got a big fan base. Now, Memphis does have a big fan base, but I don't think like like they play their their basketball games at the Grizzlies Arena and they play their football games in a dump. yeah. And like, not that facilities mean anything anymore, but like, I think if you're looking at the two, UC definitely has the better facilities than Memphis. Right. So. Like, I mean, the, the small part that that plays into it, like, you know, I think that that helped us. I mean, couldn't hurt us for sure. But I think the other thing uh, now in this re-changing alignment of college sports and, like, I don't I really hate Conference USA wanting to, like, merge and realign, like, change up the conferences because why now Temple's going to be basically the Yukon of this new AAC. They're going to be stuck, mm -hmm. like, Having to travel, having to travel to Tulsa and Dallas yeah. and Tampa for games where theoretically they should like be in the A10 and just be playing like closed games. So I listened to, uh, I'm fine with shouting them out because it's a bigger podcast than us and like it's about college sports business, but it's called Going for Two with Matt Brown of Extra Points. Um, and so they just talk about stuff that I'm interested in because I'm a nerd. Um, but I'm a I'm a college football junkie. I won't call myself <laughs> the N word. It's college football junkie. Uh, but like they were like, you know, it's it's actually not a bad idea for these teams to like, you know, talk about what are these 
conferences really mean. Like for Conference USA right now, it's spread from Virginia all the way to the far stretches of Texas and El Paso. Mm-hmm. What's the point of that conference? Right. Like, you know, it's just a collection of teams, you know, in a league together just to play each other. And I know, I'm sure, like Virginia, uh, like Old Dominion in Virginia, hates traveling all the way to El Paso for a volleyball uh, conference volleyball game on a Wednesday. Right. Like, so, like, I definitely understand, and I don't want to limit any like the Americans' inhibitions and in, like you know saying that they still want to be that Power Six conference because I think even with the the potential playoff expansion coming, there's still not going to be one of those big five power five autonomy five conferences, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think the thing though, is that what the big 12 really took other than the three best programs was probably the three biggest fan bases yeah. out of the entire league. Right. And like South Florida doesn't really have a fan base. Like ECU has a fan base, but they're in Greenville, North Carolina. It's a really small city and like you know they they definitely have some alumni but it's not as big as you see right. uh, temple like the the temple in south florida you know they both play in pro stadiums and they're both trying to get it on campus stadium but it's like bro you should have started that thing like 15 years yeah. ago if you even wanted a chance well it's sure as hell is like, it gonna happen the... now yeah and like we can wrap this all the other teams in the conference like maybe smu has some uh fan base but like they kind of got the death penalty for having fans that were too active, you know, yeah. in uh, in the program. And now the American is supposed to add uh, uh, UAB, which is you know good for them, should be good. Um, but the thing I want to just bring up really quickly, and then we can move on, and then get out of here eventually. I don't want the Big 12 to expand again. And yeah. like now I'm definitely playing keep yeah. away because we just got to the promised land and but like I was watching a YouTube thing about yeah the Big 12 is going to try and prevent other teams from expanding or like pre- predict future like the Pac-12 taking some teams or the Big 10 taking some teams by adding Boise State, Memphis, South Florida and I forget who the fourth team was, but I was like and I really don't want to play Memphis again. Like they were a good rival for yeah. sure, but like they suck as fans. They are like, oh, they are the biggest woe is me fan base. Yeah. Like they think everything is against them. Mm-hmm. South Florida, who cares <laughs> about South Florida? Yeah, like man, like no one cares about their basketball. Like a few people care about their football, but another thing I liked that Matt Brown said on that uh, going for two podcast was that. South Florida picked a really bad time to be absolutely horrible. Yeah. And like, and it was just like, it was funny. And, you know, Boise State, like, they definitely have the football tradition and stuff, but like, their basketball is not that good. And Idaho is even farther right. away than Provo, Utah is. Like, that's like, I don't even, know, I forget who the fourth school was. Like, I mean, I guess if you wanted to add SMU, add SMU. So what? But, and like, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of, we we just got into this this conference and now like you know we're going to be part of it and part of the Power Five and stuff. If Memphis eventually comes, then I guess it makes sense. And like you know, it's an it's like drawing the line, of course. But I, I just don't want to be stuck with those teams. I don't want to be stuck with South Florida anymore. I'll say it. I yeah. like I don't want to be stuck with a, a fan base that doesn't care. And like even if they get added to the Big Twelve, they're still going to play in Raymond James Stadium, and then there's their basketball stadium is still small. 
Memphis, they definitely care for sure. I can't knock them for that. Like, there's that picture of that guy doing the double birds yeah. earlier this year, wearing a Memphis Tiger shirt, holding a cowboy in his mouth. But I kind of want them to stay in the American because they like they are the most scrappy underdog team. Yeah. Like that thinks nobody believes in them. And I don't know. I just don't want. I think they have the biggest inferiority complex, and I don't really want them in the Big Twelve. But I know eventually expansion is going to happen again. But like, do you feel the same way that you want? You don't want more teams. Like we're at twelve, we're good. Like I don't think we need to keep adding the teams from the carpus carcass. Yeah. No, I, I'm one of the. I'm on the same board with that too. Because the problem is, is you get into a conference like the Big Twelve, and then if you expand it again. Now you're watering it down. Now you have to add another team to this thing. And let's say like we get to, okay, the big 12 has, you add four more teams, it's going to be 16. So now you're going to have 16 teams. How are you going to do divisions? Are you going to do four divisions now? There's going to be an east, west, north, south. It's just... It it works for the pro level. I don't think it works in college football. Like, and it just doesn't make sense. It's there's there's a certain there's. I feel like there has to be a hard cap at at absolute max fourteen teams for any conference. But really, twelve is a solid one. You have six from each side. The best of those six on each side get to play each other at the end of the year. It makes sense. You get to seven. There's just too many teams that aren't good enough. Or there's too many teams that are in the middle and can't do anything. And then, you know, it's nice for a toss-up here and there, but the problem is, like I said, you'll water down the conference really quickly if you expand again. So I'm with you on that. It's good to play keep away, and I think that we really should um, close the door on the Big 12 now, at least for a while. Get it get it going. See what happens. You know, make sure we're in. Yeah. See, our, I am not sure if we're going to have, I guess we're still figuring out if we're going to have an overlap year with Texas and Oklahoma, but if that were to be the case, let that be the proving ground year and then give it another two years and then expand if it feels right. But it's they shouldn't be talking about expansion again when they've just added four teams. It's just so much more fuel to the fire of trying to make, um, you know, make that argument for, who's going to be the best conference. And again, we'll touch on this more next week, but the Big 12 for basketball now, that looks like a stud conference. Because who can you say that's going to yeah, be that? definitely. They're going to compete with the ACC. Big 10, I never believe in the Big 10 when it comes to basketball. I just can't. I can't get behind it. Football, I'll give them their money all day. It's, it's a powerful conference. Basketball, they they have the big name, but I feel like it just doesn't get materialized. So I, I'm going to get too lingered on that because I could talk basketball all day and we're, we need to string the rest of this together. But let's just look ahead real quick to UCF. We've got this weekend. We've already made our points for the most part about UCF. But I want to know real quick, what is your score prediction for this UCF game? Um, I don't want to sound overly confident so i'm not gonna put up a 50 burger on them even though i would like to see the bearcats put up a 50 burger but i'll say we win uh 21 28 to 10 i think like you know like maybe like and we just look solid on defense all game and we play well enough on offense you know i would like to see the offense be even better mm-hmm. and 
I think they have a chance to, but I'll say 28-10. What about you, Justin? 28-10. Okay, so the current spread right now is 21.5, over under 56.5. So, so I'd be with, on not Cincinnati and the under. <laughs> so. With that, and with without having their starting QB as well, I'm not going to put up a Temple game, but... I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go thirty-five-seven Bearcats. I think that would be enough to. That's enough to cover, and on top of that, like I think we'll score, and I think our defense is just gonna lock them down because they do have like a decent enough offense, but without a QB. I mean, we've already seen what happened with Notre Dame. I mean, that was a cluster for them already, but you need that core person that's consistent. And when this is going to be like, he's still figuring it out. I just don't see how they materialize enough points against a Bearcats defense that has shut everybody down so far. Why is UCF going to be a team that's different? I don't know. So there's that. And then my other question for you is, I, I want to know your predicted offensive player of the game and predicted defensive player of the game for the Bearcats. Defense is easy um, because he tweeted that, uh, he quote tweeted that article himself. He's like, easier said than done. I'm going to predict that Ahmad Sauce Gardner is going to have a game. <laughs> and like, he doesn't like, he's definitely like, he doesn't show up as much on the uh, the stat sheet because one, teams don't throw right. to him. Two, he because of his danger, he doesn't get a chance to pick the ball off or pick up passes and stuff. But I think with without going too outside of himself or going too outside of his coverage, I think he wants another pick yeah. six at home. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Sauce is my defensive defensive guy. Um, and I'm gonna say that Alec Pierce just puts up another big game. Uh, I think Alec Pierce has the ability, Donnie, Donnie Brummer's Heisman uh, candidate, Alec Pierce, has the ability to put up another big game. Yeah, absolutely. And and he put up, what was it, 144 yards, something like that, against Temple? May have been even more. Uh, six for 144. Yeah, 144. Uh, 12, for, 12 catches, 144 yeah. yards. Yeah. Absolute stud on that. He played incredibly. So I... I'm going to go very close to you there in your defensive pick, but I'm going to roll with Kobe because I feel like they're going to be too scared to throw at Sauce, but they're going to have to throw at somebody. And if they're going to throw at somebody, it's going to be Kobe. And Kobe's going to pick it off. He's going to have an interception. I feel like I can call that one in the air now, especially with a young QB who doesn't have experience under his belt. That one I'm going to run with. And maybe even I obviously Beavers has been insane this year. Sanders as well. Like they've just been shutting down. Our defense just looks insane. But uh, I, I it's hard to pick on that side. But as far as offensive, um, it's hard. To, it's hard to like just not say Des because <laughs> you know it, I if I could pick I anybody pick. outside of Des because Des is going to get the attention. Des would get that pick at the end of the day. I'd say I'm going to roll with what we were talking about earlier. It'll work out. I'm going to say Ford's going to have another breakout game. 
I think I think they'll be able to stitch it together, and I think the run game is going to be solid, and I think he might have at least another. He's going to have a touchdown in him this weekend for sure, and we'll see if maybe he's got two again under his belt. So I'm rolling with Ford on this one. Uh, I would watch out for uh, watch out for Josh Wiley too because uh, UCF lost a couple of their bigger defensive names. Like one's out to injury, one under the transfer portal. And uh, if you remember last last year, Wiley and Taylor both had big games against UCF. So yeah. I wouldn't be exactly surprised if uh, Josh Wiley had another game. Uh, Lenny has like double the amount of catches that Josh has this year, which is crazy to me. Yeah. And like it's good to see, get the tight ends involved. And I love. I love Lenny. He's great. But, like, I mean, Josh was, like, definitely up in his draft stock last year. And I feel like this year he's kind of been underutilized now, definitely because teams are covering him for right. sure. But I think, like, against UCF, I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Wiley break out a little bit too. Good pick. Definitely one that probably people who watch the stat sheets probably wouldn't pick up right away. But, you know, nonetheless, it's like that's the thing. You got to know, like, Everybody can be that guy on the weekend, and you know you never know who it's going to be. But um, I'm just hoping if I can cross my fingers on this, I want Des to have at least another. I I'd say I'm going to go. He's going to have like a 270 yard game at least. Sounds good to me. I'm, I don't think they'll pull him. I think UCF will at least keep it to a point where like. Even I said 35-7, but I think they'll be to a point where it's like you're going to have to keep them in to the end of the game just for control of offense because um, they're not going to slouch in the same way that Temple did. But at the same point, I think Des will put on the show too. So, Especially in front of a loud and rowdy Nippert Stadium, all clad in red. If you're listening to this, thank you for listening this far. Wear red on Saturday if you're going to the game. Um, I think it'd be a fun atmosphere on Saturday. Absolutely. I wish I could be there this weekend. It's going to be, it's going to be a good game and I, there's nothing I love more than beating up on some of the good old golden Knights. So with all that said, um, this has been a very long podcast, much longer than we were intending to be, but it's the first one back in so long. And there's just, again, so much to say that we haven't had that chance to talk about. So, um, don't want to keep you guys any longer but thank you for listening um again you can follow us on twitter at viva la cats pod uh we're going to try to make sure this stays consistent week in week out uh get you guys new episodes and again next week um obviously we're going to talk ucf uh we'll be talking probably more about even playoff rankings with things changing and shifting and getting ever closer to that deadline and as well talking more bearcats basketball because we have a lot of takes and a lot more to talk about there um, that we haven't even had a chance to cover this week because there's just so much going on with football. So um, again, thank you guys for listening one more time at Viva the Cats Pod uh, if you're not already following us. And make sure to follow us on Spotify. And we will talk to you guys next week. Viva the Cats. <laughs>